Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. On this week's show, I have got a brilliant guest. I actually had the pleasure last week of spending about five hours sat outside a bar, just literally putting the world to right. She's that kind of lady. It is the wonderful Dawn Willock, and she's going to talk to us about an amazing business she grew, but also about where her life is now going. So Dawn, welcome. Hi, what a great uh, privilege it is to share your airspace and your audience, and I hope we can give them lots of um, of takeaways. That would be marvellous. Yeah. Now, the wonderful thing with you, Dawn, because we, we've been chatting, we were chatting the other night, is you actually create a biz- created a business in the late 80s, early 90s that was very male dominated, but you created it with no business plan. And it was a bit of an experiment to fill some holes that you could see in your husband's business. So tell us a little bit more about MAGB, how it came about, what it does uh, and what the holes were you were trying to fill up. Okay, so Martial Arts Great Britain is what my company is called and it was founded on the premise that a husband had left his full-time job. He used to teach martial arts part-time. He then went full-time. I gave up my job at the same time to start that business And back then, our industry was run what we would call the old boy network, very traditional old boy network. And they were absolutely shocking and um, gave no support to any instructors at the ground level. Uh, And and, and sort of my husband's journey was part-time doing it as a hobby, full-time in lots of different areas. And we went into a full-time, you know, building. So it sort of went through that journey. And and throughout that, you 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 see how 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 little support there is. So when I first started, it was really out of being annoyed at how bad the old boy network ran it and how arrogant and entitled they were that just because they'd been in charge for 20, 30, 40 years and were were doing it in their pompous way. Um, and and nobody challenged that so I decided I would um, frankly (laughs) (laughs) it's one way uh, to go about it isn't it I mean you know martial arts Great Britain or MAGB as you always lovingly refer to it I I mean it's one of the largest martial arts organizations in the UK and you're probably (laughs) the only female running a business like this yeah, I think I'm the only female in the UK and possibly Europe. We do everything under one roof. Our bit, my business has evolved over, you know, the last few decades. So, decades. So it has evolved, but but the old boy network were all men. There weren't any w- women particularly. There were very few women, even there were very few female students back then. Let alone instructors or fighters or, or people that were on the business side of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, as a female, I quite like that. I'm quite proud of that, but where the interesting thing is, and this might even be another topic for another day, I don't know. The interesting thing is that I've been treated very well. And when I talk to other women who are in, and you're in property, so you, you, you know, you're in a male dominated. Oh yeah. I hear lots of women in there sort of property and in medical and all you know corporate um actually I've been treated very well and it's interested to me why and I kind of deconstructed that as I've got older 
And I think it's because it I was I have the audacity to assume that because I'm a female, it, it doesn't make it it literally doesn't occur to me that I'm gonna be uh taken as anything other than capable and what I am and, and what I do is enough evidence. Um obviously back in especially in the early 90s you know equality isn't Tracy we come from that era <laughs> we come you from know. the era yeah, yeah I, I was in IT in the early 80s after well mid 80s and I yeah. tell you something IT in the mid 80s that was very very male dominated yeah and and you get I mean certainly in our industry and, and other women in you know who sort of the most of them are teachers and stuff but they would they would tell you if 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 you're a wife and a girlfriend of an instructor, it was just assume that you're helping them out with their admin. Oh, you're yeah. the admin girl, you know. You're um, the secretary. Let alone creating a company to look after martial arts instructors. What the hell was that even? What who the hell is she? She hasn't trained, she hasn't fought, she hasn't got a belt round her, she doesn't who who is this person? And actually the interesting thing was I think I was probably better equipped than my peers because I didn't come from a training uh, I wasn't grown from a training environment it was a business uh, environment um, so so actually it, it's always been irrelevant whether I know about kicking and punching I mean I do know a fair bit <laughs> and I've got lots of children who do it and I've got lots of customers that do it but but actually my that's not my skill set and the fact that I didn't know the kicking and punching and the, the sort of you know how how to do some of the martial arts uh was completely irrelevant because that wasn't the bit that was the problem and actually the problem was that the people who were running our industry came from that background and that's where their focus was there was a lot of dick swinging about who had the best syllabus and who did the <laughs> best style and join us and in, in amongst all of that, they didn't treat their instructors very well and didn't sort of give them the opportunities for growth and making money. What they'd done very cleverly is said, oh, if you teach for us, it's an honour. You know, they'd taken that sort of, you know, oriental. Yeah, honor the honour. <laughs> and took the piss, basically, is the short version. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so going through the journey with my husband, uh, it took me a long time to convince him to pull away because nobody did. You, uh, well, they, you're not allowed. Well, who says? Well, they do. Who's they? Like, I didn't know who they were. I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. Anyway, he did eventually. And when I first set up the company, it was to help very small independent instructors who didn't want all the politics and the bullshit, who wanted to follow their passion of teaching their dream and, and just wanted some support. And, you know, we haven't changed our ethos on that. We still have that ethos, even though some of my customers now are sort of UK directors of global martial arts organisations. So it's, you know, but the ethos of that still remains to this day. And do you know what, Tracy? I think there are two things for anybody else who's starting a business. Firstly, if you feel inadequate, so on paper, I was inadequate. I was female. I didn't train. I didn't know, I, you know, I hadn't been bred from that pool. Yeah, as I recall from our conversation, you're not even that into exercise. <laughs> no, I'll sell it you, but I don't like doing it. Girl after my own heart. So, 
um, if you're feeling inadequate, you've you've got to be audacious. You've got to say, fuck it, and you've got to go, come on, this is what I can see an opportunity. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I can feel in my tummy that I can. And let's have a go and let's play with it and have a go. And here's what I used as leverage, which was, okay, people are viewing me as I'm a young female who haven't, haven't been bred from your pot of whatever your approval pot is. Uh, so I've got nothing to lose. And there's nothing scarier than a woman who's got nothing to lose, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Because you've got nothing to you've lose. You've got nothing you to lose. And isn't no it amazing? I think loads of people do their best work when they're in that space of I've got nothing to lose. But there was a couple of things in there that I want to, that I do want to highlight. I mean, you mentioned the fact, you know, you started this, you, you didn't come from that background you were coming from a business background of there's things we can do to change this. And I think there's a lot of people going to business where maybe it's something they've done for a long time or maybe something they're passionate about, but because they're so blinkered around the, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way people say it should be because they're not looking at that wider view of, I don't know anything about the physics of X, Y, or Z. All I know is this is how you run a business. You tend to find that, People who don't have that history in an industry and have come in from a business point of view tend to do better in business, full stop. Right across, it's almost irrelevant what sector that they go into. Yeah, and those that go into it, you know, they've got a passion, which we advocate. We've had people come on here that have gone into a business that's their passion, but all of them will likely say they've had to learn the business side and that can be a big hurdle for a business. You know what you're doing with your passion, your industry, all of that lot. You know the rules of how it works. So one, you don't question it because you've been in it for too long. And two, you don't necessarily have the skills that will actually turn that passion into something that is a big business like you did. Right. And so my whole customer base, you just described my whole customer base. <laughs> they, they love kicking and punching. They and and you know, whatever. They, it's not all kicking and punching, you know, they they love martial arts, they love teaching it, they love training it. Uh they love you know, it's very satisfying to them. And uh, but they're not very good at the business side sometimes. Uh and that's been a bit of a, a pull. And so even from that point of view, we just did we just do it for them. <laughs> But that's the service you provide, isn't it? And that's the service you provide. And, and you know, we're very transparent. Do you know, Tracy, what was my dad, uh, engineer, but had his own factory. <clears throat> so I was raised by a woman that could sell sand to an Arab, very entrepreneurial and a very old fashioned do business with a handshake, integrity driven man. And the combination of having that solid steady integrity you know those old-fashioned what we might call old-fashioned values combined with entrepreneurialism ability to sell ability to communicate all of those things it's it's a fantastic combination um and literally all i had to do was treat people well do as i say say as i do be transparent be open and honest put their needs first fill that hole you know, what do you need and give it, ask them what they need and then provide it for them, but do it in an honest, integrity driven way. Um, so, so it, yes, I was raised and I was, I probably had a knack for business. I think that that, you know, that, that, that's probably a given, but actually for those people who are looking to start a business and they're not very good at the business, 
actually what I'd give them some faith in is, do you have integrity? Do you have values? Do you genuinely want to make a difference? Even if your community is only going to be 25 people, you know, it doesn't matter how big your customer base is. Um, start from that human value driven point of view. And if you're not very good at sales, uh, you know, you can learn all of those things. If you're not very good at marketing, you can outsource and learn all of those things. Tracy, you, you're of a similar age to me and you were in IT in the same era. We didn't have the internet back then. We had direct market, like we didn't have the resource that businesses do now um, where you can take advantage of social media and, and, and connect with so many people. And, and I just think, you know, if people are, uh, you know, they want to start a business, but they're not very good at it, identify their strengths. Yeah. We all concentrate on our weaknesses and I'm a great advocate of that. You need to know your weaknesses and you need to fill those gaps. But don't forget your strengths and, and really, really star your strengths. So if one of your strengths is that you are a good listener and that you've got high morals and high value and high integrity, you know, that's that's where your starting point is and just celebrate that. The other thing is it's not there's never been an era than now that's easier to outsource and, you know, get rid of the jobs that you're not very good at. Yeah, anymore. exactly. So I think if anybody's a bit wobbly and they want to start a business, you know, write a list of all the things you're good at first and let's have a, let's, let's really, you know, celebrate those bits first and don't get sucked in by all the noise that you have to sell your soul and you have to not be a nice person and not do a good job. My whole business was based purely because I did the opposite of everybody else and I did a really good job. Yeah, and I think that works in, in everything, not just business, you know, the integrity and being who you are uh, and actually giving more than you try to get will often see you go further than what I see as, <laughs> this will be controversial now, uh, the click funnel mob. Because, I, you know, that's a method of solid selling that I just, it just, just switches me off. It's like, it's so clear you're just a number in a funnel, not a human being. You know, that bit of humanity and showing that you actually do feel the people that you're actually wanting to work with are important to you. I think that gets you further. And that, yeah, and to me, is a key. Really, um, interesting thing. And we, we, we hear this narrative all the time. Don't put the money first. Put certain, serve. If that's the word now. We serve. serve. Um, and you're quite, you, you know, you've, you've, you've demonstrated that very clearly. And, and I agree with you. You go online and you see these people talking about serve, but they're shoving you through a funnel. And, 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 and it doesn't sit right because <laughs> it's, bullshit basically um but but genuinely though if you put the serve first for what we must find another word for that tracy because it's been bastardized hasn't it so but you must put your customers and doing that good job first and the money does come yeah you know um and 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 i think it's really one of the saddest things is the amount of people i speak to sort of nowadays that are really they're really good people and they feel that they're going to get penalised for being good. But if you hold on to being good and you really, you know, you you celebrate that and you that's one of your strengths and you own it, 
you know, like the people who are a bit of their shysters, they own it. Well, own your goodness. Yeah. Own, uh, own the great in you. Don't. Yeah. I mean, we, we all do it. And I sometimes think, I said the other day, actually, um, <clears throat> day after we'd met and been out sort of, you know, putting the world to right, I'd got a bunch of my people in a room and some of them brought their male partners because, as you know, I normally work with females. But it, it's that, it's just that thing about, you know, we are all going to have weaknesses. We need to understand what they are so that we can fill the gaps, either outsourcing, delegating or learning. But at the end of the day, go out there and celebrate what you're great at. Because as human beings, and I used to think females did it more than men, but on on Saturday with what I was doing, I'm like, no, I think men do it as well. They just don't speak about it as much. We are too quick to focus on the things that we don't have, that we're not good at, that we see as a weakness, as weakness, and and we don't focus on the stuff that we are great at, the things that we do have, and the things that are our strengths. And I think a little bit more of that, and you'll be able to focus in the right place on your business. But that's just that's just my opinion. No, I, I would absolutely agree, and and my whole community of men. So I would also agree with your observation that uh men do do it as well they just don't talk about it um but i think as a as as a society we 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 seem to be quite interested in focusing on what we're not very good at and the reason why that is is there's lots of people to sell us lots of stuff and 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 it's interesting that there are lots of media narrative invested in us being reminded of what we're not very good at and I have to be careful with that because, well, you and I know each other because we both invest in ourselves by going to masterminds and and, and being in an environment where we can grow and learn and, and be the best version of ourselves. So I absolutely endorse people do that, but find the right people for the right yeah. reasons who, who, who are not just shoving you through a funnel and telling you what you crap at, <laughs> you know. Isn't it funny how how many people out there, they they should be through this funnel, they highlight what, what's gone wrong in your life and they play on that fear and doubt element. I mean, you look at the news at the minute, right? Totally different topic, but as, as most of my listeners know, we go off, off topic because it's conversation. So loads of news about, you know, the IMF warning the government that they shouldn't have done the interest rate cuts and this shouldn't have happened and this is why the pound's dropping. Whether it's right, wrong or otherwise is slightly irrelevant for this conversation. But what is true that applies in life is the world will focus enough on your failings, as they call them. So what's the point of you doing that? The world's focusing on all the bad, the fear, the doubt, the things that can go wrong. Why the heck do you need to do it as well? Well, I think we just, I'm not very good at focusing on what I'm not good at. When I'm not good at something, I think I'm being cute. I think it's quite sweet when I'm not very good at something. It's just my own, <laughs> my own personal. I can just imagine you in property going to a builder and being sweet about the fact you don't know what he's doing with his building works, but can he please help you? I've got this wonderful yeah. picture in my mind now, Dawn. Yeah, and my husband calls me all sorts of names, tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but, you know, he'll go, you know, say, I've, I don't know, I've done something to piss him off or whatever, and I'll go, oh, no, I thought I, I thought that was really endearing. Don't you think that's, I don't think that is, I think it's cute. It is cute, yeah, and believe it or not, 
<laughs> no shock to the guys listening. Uh, some of us, in fact, all of us probably on some occasion have utilised that cuteness to our own advantage. Well, do you know what? Even the boy version of it. So if we package that up in admitting your vulnerability, which is is really difficult yeah. for it's difficult for women to do in a male environment because a lot of women already feel like they're on the back foot and they've got to work harder to prove themselves more and therefore have to put an armour up uh, so they're not able to to always express their vulnerability. And generally men are, are even, you know, I think with women in an environment where it's a male-dominated environment, we'd struggle, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd rather not show our vulnerability. But when we're in a group with women and we chit-chat away, we're more than, we're much better at, at being honest about our vulnerability. Yeah. Men aren't very comfortable doing that in any environment. Oh, um, interesting. But, I wondered but, if maybe they did that in the company of other men and that's why we never saw them doing it, don't Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Wow. Uh, no, not at all. Not, I think, I think, uh, I, I, and I, I've got three sons, you know, so it's not just like work, you know, and you, I, I, I love to observe people, but I don't think that men do a very good job at showing their vulnerability. However, um, I think that they're, that if you package it, around the word confidence yeah if you're confident enough to admit a vulnerability and you can present it in a confident way actually that exudes more confidence that makes you that exudes more respect it exudes more leadership skill and and there's a knack to it, it you know admittedly um but but if you can if you can be truly confident in your vulnerability and in your downfalls, I think that that's okay. Yeah, agree. And I, I think it, what it does then, if you look at developing a team, for example, so I'm in charge and I'm really crap at Excel sheets and um, all of that stuff. Can't be asked, hate it. Honestly, but I have to. I can do it. It's there. I've had to learn it. Fair enough. Um, I'm actually considering my whole business is providing one version of admin or another. I'm really bad at admin as well, which is <laughs> you see how cute I am. Did yeah. you catch? Look, it's really cute. I've created a biz. I've created a business, <laughs> a business in martial arts. I'm not into I'm exercise. Really yeah, 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 yeah. Not into exercise. Don't really know much about martial arts. Oh, um, the business needs a load of admin because that's what it's providing support to its clients. But I'm crap yeah. at admin. You know yeah. what, though? That's the perfect explanation of an amazing yeah. director of a company. You don't yeah. need to be good at anything but understanding how to get the best out of people, how to lead those people yeah. and how yeah. to direct where that company goes. Yeah. And so, and then what you have, what you get then. So, so Emily is my, uh, she, she works for me. She's like the, we're the antichrist of each other. Like she likes a list. She's OCD in her email box. She'll have, if she's got more than four emails, she'll twitch. I've, <laughs> I'll have 785 that I haven't got round to yet. You know? And, and, but, but, but how marvelous that we work together. Yeah. Because, because she she'll do that. All I have to do is give her a list. She's off, done, boom, boom, boom. Excellent. You know. Um, and so actually it is about and what you find with people who feel vulnerable, who aren't confident, 
is they then feel they've got to control everything and micromanage everything. That makes you into a, you're a tosser when you do that. You're a horrible boss. You're a horrible team leader. You're a horrible leader person. It, it, it micromanage, you know, that that demonic control. Yeah. But But if you can give other people autonomy and you can celebrate other people's complementary skills that you don't have, what you do is you elevate people and they love working for you and they feel fulfilled and they stay with you for years because, and so there's a lot of spin-offs from that initial audaciousness of deciding (laughs) that you're going to be confident, even though you don't know what you're doing and you're really vulnerable in areas. And, And I guess, you know, I think if I deconstruct some of why I'm successful, it sits very much around some of those perspectives and mindsets. You know, um, our company, like our team, our our strap line internally actually is fuck it. So if you're scared, it's a fuck it moment. If you're worried, it's a fuck it moment. And, and then it. we laugh and we go, oh, should we do it anyway? Yeah. And then some of my team are terrified but luckily they trust me enough to go with it but um because I've always kind of done that and and I think you only have to do that once or twice in your life and it's a bit like a muscle you start building it it you then become more confident at just going for things and then you discover there's a hard way to do it which is really stressful and really serious and I've got to be really intense and I frighten the shit out of everybody who I come across and nobody will buy from me because I'm like an utter. Or you can play at it and be really frivolous with it um, in your energy, if you like, and 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 go with your strengths. And it it presents ease and it, it makes the path less resistant. Yeah. But it boils down to that kind of inner confidence. Um, and I think as well, we come from an era, and this is the same with, bringing up children, friendships, communication, business, right across the board, Tracy. We came from an era where there was no such thing as a mobile phone. There was no such thing as the internet. There was no, so we had to rely on our instincts a little bit more. We couldn't Google everything. Nope, no, couldn't get the answer out of that. You sometimes had to sit on your own, on your chair, be it in tears or not, and just figure it out. And at some point you had to, or maybe ask somebody who was older from you that came from a generation a million years ago that you might think didn't apply or, you know, you were in IT, that was quite revolutionary at that time. Nobody knew what the hell any of you did for a living. No. Nobody understood it. Um, and so you had you have to figure it out. And, you know, I, I've got three grandchildren, so some of my children have now got children, and it's so different because it's like they Google everything and I do think, I, and I've said to them, you know, strip it back, use your instincts. It's that human bond. It's that bond with yourself. It's that bond with other human beings. So if you're overwhelmed, if you're starting a business and you've got no money and you're on the internet till four o'clock in the morning browsing to try and absorb as much, in, just stop, stop a minute. <laughs> just <laughs> Stop. Stop. stop strip it back to something far more pure and human based and actually phones that well phone you for a start if they're in your community or email yeah preferably not at two in the morning though no, 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 <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, fair point, fair point. No, but you know what i mean yeah i like, do 
we we fill on all, we fill out all these online quizzes for the answer and actually sometimes when we're overwhelmed all of that noise is the worst thing to do but I think those of us that are a little bit older come from an era where we can remember a time where we had no choice but to do that yeah and there's there's um, you know there's a lot of answers that it's almost like there's an element of wanting the world to approve of us and you know I've been I've been there you want everybody to like you you want the world to approve of you all that lot but when you go back to those previous eras which some people listening may never have experienced actually the joy came out of what you did and who you connected with and you know you were talking about you know the that thing about you know if you're if you're slightly afraid it's going to come across you're going to come across as desperate that's you know in sales a salesperson that comes across as desperate hasn't got a hope in heck because that desperation will come out of your pores of your body in your body language your behavior your sound everything and when you go back to just looking at the fact that we are human beings connecting uh you might have something you need or a problem you want to solve i might be able to solve it for you to me, no funnel is going to give you that connection. And if you're desperate, you're going to come across as that. And this ethos of, you know what, it's a fuck it moment. Let's just do it and see where it goes. You'll probably flow a lot better in what you're doing when you're selling to people. Because, you know, we have this word selling and we all sell, we all get sold to. But in reality, for me, where I see successful people who are growing their business, it's because they are bringing into it that humanity. They're remembering that there is a person on the end of the transaction. And we were born in an era when, you know, mobile phone didn't get handed to you at birth. But hey, I think now it is. But yeah, I think when you go back to that connection with people and, you know, you use the serve word, which, yeah, it's getting overused a little bit. But effectively, you have the compassion and humanity to play fair. I think that's when you see salespeople being more successful. Yeah. And, and just wanted to, um, with with the fact that we're in a technical era at the moment, I, I, I might not be very, I'm not technological, I'm not a geek. I'm terrible at anything. Yeah, you know, I don't even read instructions when I buy something. So, you know, from a technical <laughs> point of view, I'm not technical, but I love technology. I love, you know, there is there are more benefits to it if you take advantage of it. And and again, it's combining the convenience and the opportunities that social media and you know all of those things bring. And, but again, combine it with some humanity. Yeah. Don't move the connection. Don't hide behind it. Uh, it. You can't, we're human beings. You can't just press a button and it all happens magically. There still requires some human connection. And if you can, if you can just combine the two, it's a really powerful, com you know, combination. It is definitely. And there is, I mean, there's other stuff that you're doing. I mean, a lot of people that listen to our, you know, show around growing a business and starting a business, they're coming from a place of passion and going, I want to make a business for it. You've gone full circle and it's amazing because you've gone through that space of MAGB growing, being in a male dominated world, you know, and now you're moving into this space 
and you you referred to it when we were chatting the other day as being you know following your heart's desire so you're now in that space where you're still going to have your business but you're also moving into a place where you're starting to follow your heart's desire tell us a little bit more about that Classically, it's now officially called my Madonna moment. I'm reinventing myself. (laughs) You know. Um, So, yeah, I want to write books and I want to just, I I mean, podcasts are a marvellous opportunity for just communication. I love talking to human beings. I love listening to them. I love to hear people who think differently to what I do. Um, and I just, I love people really. Um, and then there's the book. So, but I have, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know what the structure is. I don't know how to sell a book. I don't know how to publish a book. I, I don't know how to do any of it. And the difference I think with this, with this Tracy is because it's coming from my heart. It's almost like my personal art that, you know, when it's from your soul. Yeah. and so all of a sudden it's really precious and it's, I can't be as clinical about it and, you know, businessy for want of a better kind of expression. And, and I, I'm, first of all, I'm writing for me, first of all, purely for me. Um, but actually it's interesting that you spoke about, uh, we're in an era where we, you know, look for approval. That's what my book's about. It's about self-validation. If we were to kind of compact it. It's about self-validation and um, just wanted to throw some perspective out there to people to give them other things to think about uh, where they don't buy. I've got nothing to sell, but that is so liberating for me. It's like I can write this book, first of all, for me, but for other people to read, should they want to, obviously. Um, it's a little bit scary because I am probably being as vulnerable as I could ever be. And even for someone who tries to bullshit a husband that it's cute when I'm vulnerable, like oh, I'm being really vulnerable, like literally. So um, that that's a, a very exposed place. So my emotional platform that I'm coming from with a view to going into becoming an author, the emotional platform I'm coming from is one of very, very, it's, 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 it's not businessy, it's, it is emotional. So you're coming from a completely different psyche. It's your art. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that sounds dramatic, but, you know, and, 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 but, but actually why I'm excited is this is the first time in a long time I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, like not a clue. And then I thought to myself, I've got a guy who um, is helping me with the structure. So I phoned him up the other night and I'm like, okay, all changed. I'm not even going to look at that document ever again. I'm talking about true self-validation and listening to your heart and coming from your heartfelt space. And I'm a hypocrite then if I apply somebody else's structure to me. And then I thought, oh, what do I always do when it's a bit overwhelming? I play. I just think, oh, let's play. And then I thought, oh, why don't I just write my book and see where my heart takes me? So Martin kind of got a bit of a rash up his neck. <laughs> Bless him. He might have done. I don't know. We're on the phone. Um, he, he, 
so I'm literally writing it sentence by sentence with no structure, which sounds insane. And then I have to be two chapters ahead of myself in case I think, oh, I'll go in this direction. Then I have to go back and edit two chapters that I've already done. So it's it's pure intuitively done. But I'm so excited at the freedom and how liberating it is to go, oh, you know, my heart, Tracy, like just pure my heart, not influence, just me. Where will my heart take me? Now, it might turn out that the book's really shit and nobody reads it. And that's that. And that's okay. Uh, Because I'll have, A, done what I wanted to do from that point of view. And then I'll know if I want to go on to write another book, not to do it. But how do you know, Tracy? How do you know that your heart isn't going to take you where it needs to go unless you try that first? How do you know? You you don't. And the great thing is, you know, there is that, I don't know whether it's song or poem, but it's like, you know, dance like no one's watching, sing like no one's listening. You know, and there are authors out there that are already successful. So they're writing what I call commercial material because they know it's going to sell. They're writing for the person that's going to buy it. I think there's something wonderfully liberating about, especially for first time authors, because I know there's a lot of people out there have got this passion to write a book. If you write and let go of the outcome around whether it will be successful or not, you will write for yourself. You will write what your heart wants you to write and you'll write what your mind tells you to write. And, you know, some of that comes from um, Deepak Chopra's 21 Days of Abundance. So I think it's day 11 of that. And if if you've never done it and you're listening, it's, you know, it's out there on YouTube. You can go get it, get a few ads when you're listening to it on YouTube, which is a bit bizarre for meditation. But anyway, that's a sidetrack. But what he says in day 11 is you set your outcome and this applies to everything, whether you've got a dream to run a business, whether you've got a desire to share your heart and soul in a book, you set your outcome. What outcome are you looking for? And then you let go of it. Yeah. You have no allegiance to whether that outcome is a successful result or doesn't happen. What you do is you let go of it and you put your heart, your soul, your passion, your focus into all the steps you take to make that outcome more probable. And and I, 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 like I get this because I've run my whole life like this, but but I can understand why people say, okay, I can articulate what you're saying, but what the hell are you talking about? So, so if you take yours, yeah. So, but if it, if I kind of apply that to what happened with MAGB, I literally played like it was literally an experiment. So, so the outcome was the outcome set was brought out of frustration that these people weren't doing a good enough job, and I was sure I could do a better job, even though I didn't know how. So the outcome was kind of set there, but because I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I ended up just experimenting in a very, got nothing to lose. So there was an outcome and then I let it go. <laughs> you let it go. You did exactly and, what he's suggesting. Because yeah. what you did, you focused your energy on experimenting. Yeah. And I think if people could be m- more more light, light, light about that. And don't get me wrong, obviously, in business, if you've been and got a loan or you've you've got financial constraints it's really difficult to to do that and I understand that um but 
it's actually the fastest route to make money. So with MAGB, I hit my five-year target in about two years, three months, something like that. Gave myself five years. I'll do it for five years. And if it's not making money and not working by then, I'll leave it. Uh, and it was and it, I, I'm, I, the same is with the book in terms of um, I'm just really satisfied and excited to do it. And let's see where it goes. Uh, and 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 of course, if you if you can make money out of it, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. No, no not at all. That whatsoever. Um, but I can already feel myself because I'm honouring my my insides without any of the noise and any seeking any approval, if you like. I've now probably got about seventeen titles. <laughs> at, like by letting. By deciding the outcome is I want to be an author and then letting it go, my juices have flown yeah. more. And that's um, really exciting for me. Yeah. Like really exciting. It's a bit of a bizarre concept that takes, I mean, I think I listened to Deepak Chopra with this one a couple of times because my brain initially went, what, hey, what? No, you can't do that. You can't do But it is true. If you look at anything in life, it, it it's it's where your focus goes and when you've got a goal when you've got an outcome if your focus is purely on that outcome and not on the shit you need to do to get there it is less likely to happen whereas if you say you know what this could work this could not work I'm just gonna put one foot in front of the other and do what I need to do and let's see if I get the outcome I want so I have a couple of children that have done this with yeah. their kind of decisions as well. So like Marshall, since he's been a little boy, wanted to be a footballer. Um, what he's done, he he was playing for Finland, actually, just before lockdown. When he came back, he'd fallen out of love with football. He was getting injured left, right and centre. There were problems with his contract. Everything was going wrong. So do you know what he did? He dropped right down to non-league and fell back in love with football. Yeah. And now he's having, he's absolutely flying. My son, who's my elder son, who's a bit older, so he's got a few more responsibilities and, and where it is probably a braver decision for him. Um, he, he's he got two children and a, and a partner, you know, he's got responsibilities. And he worked for other people in his sector. And we'd been saying to him for several years, you really should be doing this on your own. But he felt like he should be doing the sensible thing. And it wasn't till he let go of that, which was a brave thing to do when you've got two small babies and a a part, you know, he'd got responsibilities and he's absolutely flying like he's flying. So so again, it's a really hard thing to do the first time and maybe even the second time. And it might be hard because the third time it might not work so well. But if you keep remembering to approach things like this when you're overwhelmed, Listen, we all know when we're satisfying our insides by how we feel. If you're really satisfied and whole and happy, you know you're on the right track. Yeah. If you're at conflict, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're procrastinating, if you're nervous, if nervous in a bad way, if uh, you so so instead of then forcing yourself into doing more of the shit that clearly isn't working because now you feel really stressed all the time stop let go let go of the outcome and just what, what do I fancy doing tomorrow like actually what do I fancy doing yeah let's play at it instead and actually that is the best way to get over some of those perspective hurdles yeah and it's back it's back to your one you mentioned earlier the fuck it moment of 
yeah. we know this is where we'd like to go. Let's let go of that. Just fuck it. Let's just do this and see where it takes us. And that that you know that's not meant frivolously, as in don't have any form of planning. Don't you know? Don't check yeah. if you've got loans, like you said. But, but it's for those moments. It's for those moments. Those yeah. Moments too. So the chapter I'm actually writing at the moment is talk is talking a lot about doing the opposite of what you think you should do. <laughs> Can't wait to read that one. No, no, but it's this is what it is. It's like uh, I'm really stressed because I don't know how to do one, two, three, four, five. So I'm going to do this to learn it. And actually, just do the opposite for five minutes. Just, just do the opposite. It does work. That works for Elva. Yeah. If you're getting overwhelmed and you're sat there looking at the problem, yeah. get out your chair, stand up, take five minutes, go hula hoop around the garden or whatever it is, you know, you know, dribble a football around the office. Because if you give your brain five minutes to get off the focus of the problem, you yeah. might surprise yourself when your brain suddenly comes up with possible solutions. I, I saw, I think it might have been a Tony Robbins thing. I did years ago, I can't remember. That's what I'd like to say. And there was some brain scans that demonstrated that when we're stressed, we're only operating at something like 40%, I yeah. think it is. Don't quote me, it's around that. Um, and I thought, oh gosh, aren't I marvellous? Because if I've only been operating, and Tracy, we come from an era where you, if you could handle the pressure, you'll be all right. Take yeah. the stress, that means you're successful, you know. Um, so, so, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting because at that point I was probably in my 30s, let's say, I don't know, God, I can't know, it was years ago when I saw it. I thought, oh, if I've managed all of that only operating at 40% capacity, because I can handle the stress and I can handle the pressure, I wonder what would happen if I let go of the stress and operate like oh that's really exciting to explore and it doesn't mean I don't get stressed I do everybody does everybody does what I do is I recognize it really quickly and then I get the hell out of there yeah that's the that's one of the secrets um in the sense because if you if seven years ago I would get stressed out you know I'd come out of a corporate job I'd had 25 years of being told what to do when to do it and um, it was quite stressful as a single mum, but I then started working on myself, doing some of the stuff with Tony Robbins, all of that stuff. But the secret to me of overwhelm and stress is notice that you're in it. Yeah. Because the minute you notice, you can move yourself out of it quite easily. And that comes sometimes from letting go. The problem's not going to go away. Nobody's saying the problems you're facing, the issues you've got are going to go away. But it will give you a little bit of what I call breathing space. And in that breathing space, you start to operate internally. Clarity then comes. So what you, it doesn't remove the problem, but it gives you solutions that you couldn't see before because you were stressed. Yeah. And actually over... Uh, after lockdown was probably my most uncreative time ever in life and I've always uh, relied on my instinct and all of a sudden I'd got brain fog and I I wasn't able to uh, and and I was aware that the one thing that I'd always relied on was probably a little bit tired (laughs) and so again, part of starting writing the book, I mean, there are other factors that, that have, have come to play about this. I hadn't honoured myself 
So I needed to take more time than what I would ever ordinarily take over anything to strip myself right back and just be really honest. What do you want to do? Yeah. Oh, I want to write a book. I can't do that. We're in recovery. I've got to work 12 hours a day to get through because we've just gone through two years of absolute slow. And actually now in me just doing the opposite by not working like that under that stress and pressure, by honouring what I want to do in my heart, honestly, I'm having a great time at work. It's all flowing really, really easily. Yeah, brilliant. But it shouldn't be. Yeah, but it, it, it it, you know, sometimes that's what, you know, you sat there, whether it's work, life or business, sometimes it's take a bit of time out and ask yourself the question, what do I want? What do I want to do right now? What can I do right now? And that in lots of ways is moving your focus and letting go from whatever it is you're facing, stress, overwhelm, whatever. And we do it all the time. You know, somebody says, what do you want? What do you want? Whether it's relationship, life, home, etc. We always go down to, well, I don't want this and I don't want that and I don't want that. You know what? You're in the part of the brain that's looking at what the fuck you don't want. Why don't you start looking at what the fuck you do want? And maybe... I had a bit of a midlife crisis over this when I was about 14. Because me and my best friend, Dom, our kids are starting to grow up. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're, we've got more time because our children have grown we, we haven't got a hobby. And all of a sudden there was this pressure to get a hobby. I haven't got a hobby. And then I'm like, oh, like, supposed to have a, you know. Do um, you know a really good indication that you're going down a rabbit hole is when you say, I want to do this, but. Yeah. And, but I, 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 as I say, in my little mini midlife crisis when I was 40, I, 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 I really didn't know what I wanted. It was this kind of external pressure that now my children were growing. We were supposed to fill our time with other things. And, and, and all I could say is, well, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do this. Um, and you have to let that go a little bit, don't yeah. you? Um, and, and not go down that rabbit hole. And then it comes to you. And the longer you resist letting it come to you, the worse you get at going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? Little Alice in Wonderland stories. Yeah. And I know we could go on all day with them. Um, we're going to have to get you back on again. I can't wait till you start the podcast so I can come on as your guest. <laughs> that'll, that'll be Basically, a good one, wouldn't it? one thing that I, you, one question that you, I, or one sentence that I could say for the most, uh, common barrier that your community have what do you think what do you think I could leave for you as a final sentence uh, well I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you as well and one of those will actually give some insight okay. but yeah I think one of the barriers because I know with MAGB you're you're an industry that got hit heavy in COVID um, we've had loads of insights around, you know, you went off and you started a business and you didn't understand the workings that, you know, that's a bit like creating a business for a product that you don't know what the product is. And it's phenomenal because you focus on what's important, which is the business. Yeah. So got a couple of quick fire questions and might actually give some insight in some of that. But one thing I would ask, which would might give a bit of stuff for other people out there especially those looking at starting their own business should I do it you know I've heard these two bonkers women now saying let go if you could take yourself back to the late 80s early 90s what would you do different 
not a thing. There you go. Not a thing, literally not a thing. Because every time I did something that I thought I could have done that better, it led me to something that was marvellous. And had I not learnt that lesson, I wouldn't have landed there. And if I hadn't learnt that lesson, I wouldn't have landed there. Brilliant. I, Wonder- I love that insight. Because that's, that's true, isn't it? With anything that, that happens, you know, people will look at it and say it's a failure. There, There is no failures. There are things that aren't going to go quite as you expected in life. There are catastrophes that are going to happen. There are cock-ups that are going to happen. But all of the things that we look back on and go, mm, that didn't quite go as planned. We learn from it and it makes us who we are today. So I love that analogy that you've used. It's brilliant. I love that. So, yeah, if you're sat there looking at starting a business or growing a business, then try to question less what you're doing wrong. Try to analyse less what went wrong and look at what did it give you in life? Where did it take you? Because it's clearly taken Dawn to some amazing places. Before we go into my quick fire, Dawn, if people want to reach out to you socially, learn more about your book or even learn more about MAGB, um, how do they get hold of you? Uh, Dawn Willock, Facebook, uh, and uh, because we're not talking to anybody who is in my industry on your podcast, my website and all of that probably isn't even of yeah. any. What we will do, guys, we will make sure you get the, the Facebook links in the show notes. And I've got some quick fire questions for you. I'm going to throw one back at you that we were doing when we were chatting. If you won the lottery tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would you do? I've got such a long list. <laughs> get your breath. First of all, I would uh, move actually to somewhere with more land. Uh, that's probably what I'd do. And I'd take a really long holiday. I need a holiday. Uh, but but then I've, I, there's other stuff. So I feel really passionate about uh, education. I'd love to do an experiment you know just like my own school yeah where we disrupt the education system that would be something that would be very cool I'd love to do that um I um I've got lots of stuff like that my husband takes the piss actually because he's like oh it'd be great to win the lottery because we could retire and I'm like oh I'd love to retire and then I come out with all of these things that I want to do when I retire and he's like doesn't sound like retirement who needs retirement (laughs) So, yeah, I, there's there's some cool stuff like that that I would do if I won the lottery. Brilliant. I've got one for you that I already know the answer to, but the listeners don't. So, Bentley versus Aston Martin, which one and why? I'm a Bentley girl. Yeah. Uh, my husband is an Aston Martin boy. So, this is a domestic <laughs> argument that we have regularly. Um, so, somebody said to me, my friend said to me a few years ago, uh, what what's your lottery car? And I said a Bentley Continental. It came from the Jennifer Lopez song video. That's really so. I, like you know, shoot me, I'm human. Like that's there it was. I'm like, oh, that's a really cool car. And um, I was looking for a new car, and I was, I'd have just got a normal car. And 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 he said, um, what would your lottery car be? And I said a Bentley Continental. And he said. So why don't you buy one? I said, I can't, I can't afford one. And he said, I said, I would buy that. If I win the lottery, that's fine. He said, what if you never win the lottery? And I was absolutely mortified at the prospect 
that I was leaving it to chance for me to have something that I wanted to the lottery. So, so I bought a Bentley. I've never been so terrified in my entire life. It was the most ridiculously indulgent just because I wanted to feel fabulous while I was driving. I'm not, <laughs> even, a car, like, I'm not even a car person. Do you know what happened? Jeremy asked me that question and he took it away from me. Yep. So then I thought, no, it can't happen. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm definitely, but my husband is Aston Martin. So we have this argument quite regularly. <laughs> Brilliant, love but it. If I'm a, a, let me tell you a giveaway as proof, and you can all go and research this if you like, but I am absolutely telling you, if I'm at a giveaway and Mr. Aston Martin's next to me, I'm quicker off the mark. <laughs> all I'm saying is yeah. all I'm saying, Tracy. Question <laughs> is, is that the Bentley or is it because they're so slow because they're still gobsmacked at, gobsmacked at what's <laughs> sat next to them? You know, who knows what the answer is? <laughs> So, you know, we're, as we record this, we're in late September. The economic UK seems to be going right down a flipping hell in a handbasket is the way I'd say it. But let's ask this one. If you could do one thing right now to change the world, what would it be? But yeah, you could have given me a bit of a heads up on that. <laughs> what would it be? I'd start a bit of a revolution about how extraordinary human beings are and how people need to be reminded of that. And I think I think it starts with not watching the news yeah. and not listening to the media. And I think we need to go a little bit old school tribal and then use, leverage the social media to celebrate ourselves more. That's Love it. More of my, that rocks my boat. Love it. And my last question, the show is called Sweat, Grit and Hustle. Which word out of that resonates with you the most and why? Grit. Grit. Yeah. It's a common one. Why um, is that? Because, because well, you know, if it, people who think for one minute starting their own business is uh, uh, not anything other than grit, is you, you the, the, the things that you can guarantee are going to happen is things are not going to go the way you planned economic change will happen every few years every few years it's not a shock uh consumers will change advertising platforms will change so so you need the grit to develop the resilience and the grit to tap into your strengths and the grit to be able to stand there in concrete boots in all your glory and your confidence and give yourself absolutely no option for failure that's great love it i absolutely love it dawn you have been extraordinary we could have carried on for hours and hours and i can't wait till you get your book into draft form so that i can have a read and we will more than likely in fact we will definitely get you back on when that book is nearing its completion so that you can share with us all the wonderful insights that are coming out in your new book thank you very much dawn Thank you for having me, Tracy. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com. 